Hi, welcome to The Kicker. I'm Betsy Morace, the managing editor of the Columbia Journalism Review, and I'm joined by Nausicaa Renner, who's the digital editor. Kyle is off this week. Today we're going to be talking about Robert Mueller's report and William Barr's response and how that was all covered in the media. So last week, rumors were circulating that it was finally time for Mueller to send his report to the attorney general, William Barr. And on Friday, Nausicaa, you wrote a piece about the stakes for the media. Yeah, so this piece came out of a question that people in our newsroom had where during our daily morning meeting, somebody was like, wait, but like, why does Columbia Journalism Review care about the Mueller report? And I was like, the Mueller report is huge for the media. Um, And so I wrote a piece about that. And the reason that it's huge for the media is because the media for the past two years has been incredibly focused on the tiny uh, developments that have happened, the indictments, obviously, but also, like, you know, the Cohen testimony and and also trying to, like, as, as Joe Pompeo put it in his Vanity Fair piece, reporters are trying to, like, read the tea leaves of what's been going on inside of the Mueller investigation. I think when it started, people were sort of expecting there to be more leaks or, you know, more insight into what was going on. And the fact that Mueller has been so silent except for the filings and the indictments um, has meant that there's been a lot of speculation on the part of the country and and journalists have been driven to to cover it extremely closely. Um, On the other hand, Donald Trump obviously has been incredibly focused on convincing the public that the Mueller investigation is a quote-unquote witch hunt and that it's completely illegitimate. And not only is it illegitimate from the from a legal perspective, but it's also illegitimate that the press has been so on top of it. And so either, you know, on Friday, we didn't know what what it was going to contain at all. So you have a situation in which either the Mueller report is going to be important enough as a object that the press has been sort of vindicated in its close coverage of it, or the president is going to be vindicated by saying that, like, It was a big, fat nothing burger. In terms of the journalism that was being done leading up to Friday, do we see that as speculative or do we see it as based on on evidence and information that came from Mueller's investigation? I mean, I think it was mostly informative. It was just that the volume of it was huge. I mean, Amy Chozik published a piece this week in The Times and she, I guess, added up the number of stories that have been published and like five of the major outlets about the Mueller investigation and it was somewhere around like 8,000. So I think I I in my opinion it's been mostly about it, it has been mostly not speculative. The speculation consists in the fact that we paid it so much attention as opposed to like, you know, in these resource strapped times paying more attention to something else putting those sort of journalistic resources and writing 8,000 stories on a different subject. And then on Friday afternoon, uh, the news broke that Mueller had delivered his report. Yes, at 5 p.m. And at the time that this podcast is being recorded, we do not know what's in it. It could be filled with 
hilarious jokes. We just don't know. We saw only a couple of lines quoted by William Barr, who received the report, told reporters on Saturday afternoon he wasn't finished reading it, and then on Sunday sent a letter to Capitol Hill with a summary of his interpretation of what the report contained. So it was an exciting weekend in the uh, press room of the Department of Justice. It was like Friday, it was like Barney's warehouse sale, and then Saturday and Sunday it was like... (laughs) Barney's was picked over and and cleared out and only the vultures remained. The day after Barney's (laughs) warehouse sale. Uh, Andy McCormick, our colleague, um, wrote a piece about the reporters in the press room. Uh, On Friday, there were just simply not enough chairs to accommodate them. And then once they got the news that the report had been filed, that was it. Um, and one of them described returning on Saturday uh, and then just sort of wandering off into the center of D.C. and finding her way back to the press room for really no good reason other than she'd been covering the Mueller story for so long that she just couldn't figure out where else to put herself. Yeah, I think I thought that that was a very nice image for just the magnetism of this story, that it sort of sucks reporters toward it, just waiting for a little droplets of things to happen. So on the subject of making a lot out of the little bits and pieces that we've been getting, Nausicaa, then you wrote another piece uh, on Monday about what that's been like. Yeah. So over the weekend, as we, as you said, we started to learn slightly more about what's in the report, not very much. I just I sort of thought that the tone of how journalists were talking about themselves and and the job that they had done, um, I mean, it was incredibly negative. It it was sort of like a we messed up big time by having paid so much attention to this story and we were wrong. And I thought that 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 pivot toward criticizing themselves just happened way too quickly. It was like we got Barr's like summary of the two most important things that the Mueller report was supposed to establish. And then it's like it was forgotten all of the other things that have happened in the past two years. And people sort of forgot what their motivation was in covering this at all. Um, and so I was sort of trying to, to put a counterweight on that and to say that It wasn't wrong for us to try to be following every single thread and every single detail that was available to us. I think that Trump sort of tries to make it seem like the press was participating in this conspiracy theory about him by like, you know, focusing too much on the details of the Mueller report or the Mueller investigation, I should say, as it was happening. But I sort of wanted to remind people that like, no, like, no, you know, noticing every single tiny thing and being like crazy obsessive about that is actually just what reporting is. And and I thought that, yeah, journalists were just way too quick to jump to like, we have massively made a mistake. And just to to show the the citation of that, Rich Lowry, who is a conservative writer Uh, said that the three biggest losers from the special counsel investigation were, quote, the media, the media, the media. Um, And he described the press as, 
quote, obsessed and hysterical for two years. And other people picked up on that. Glenn Greenwald, Matt Taibbi, among others, were asking for the press to apologize and reckon with what they had done. Yeah, I mean, Matt Taibbi, like, compared it to the weapons of mass destruction (laughs) as a reason for entering the Iraq War and, and the way in which the press sort of propped up that um that narrative which i think is ridiculous like i think in this case you know we had something that we knew was coming um and there were investigations of it and there was a like some obsessing but it seemed like you know the Mueller report if it was going to lead to impeachment was worth obsessing about in the case of the iraq war uh the mistakes of the press led to a country being invaded. In in the case of this, the worst that happened was that, I mean, the worst that happened is that people's attention and time was wasted, which I would argue Trump was the main driving force in people's time and attention being wasted. And the another way of asking this question is, did the media overplay the Mueller report? And I think what people are now answering that question with is, uh, well, what do you mean when you say the media? And so our colleagues at The New York Times and The Washington Post and The New Yorker and other journalistic institutions have been watching this investigation obsessively, not out of conspiratorial attraction, but an interest in the information. And uh, on the other hand, you have the cable TV people. And In the past few days, we've seen um, Margaret Sullivan and Matt Iglesias and Nate Silver and other people comment on this sort of with an explicit rejection of cable news as journalism. Uh, Margaret Sullivan wrote in her column, the cable pundits who made a living off such speculation aren't really journalists anyway. Um, And it's sort of like, I, I think of, of cable news as like something that fills time the way bad perfume fills the air. And we we can't acquaint that with investigative reporting. Um, Nicholson Baker, in a terrific piece for the latest issue of the magazine, wrote, cable news, because there's so much of it, because it's always on the prowl for new outrages and trespasses, because lurid headlines are always creeping, creeping across the bottom of the screen, feeds hatred and feeds on hatred and thereby corrodes the American brain. Um, so I think if, if people are reacting to the media and the Mueller story, um, maybe it's it's that more than it is the, the work of reporters in the press room. I think that journalists right now are, you know, feeling kind of a desperate urgency to differentiate themselves from cable news um, and, and specifically cable commentary. I don't know, like, exactly whether the problem has gotten worse, but, you know, from from my sort of cursory analysis, I, I do think that there are more instances than there were before of a slippage between politicians and um, people who have been employed by campaigns and cable news. So, for instance, like Corey Lewandowski becoming a, becoming a commentator on or contributor on CNN and... Obviously, you know, Jane Mayer's recent piece about Fox pivoting to becoming a mouthpiece for the White House. So I think that 
now print journalists are sort of trying to distance themselves from that. And I can I can understand. I think, unfortunately, cable news probably is more of what the news is in, in most people's minds, TV news and, and on cable. I mean, what do you think about how journalists should differentiate themselves? Well, in your piece on Friday, you had a line that was something like, let's focus on the present instead of trying to predict the future. And focusing on the present, to me, sounds like something that requires a good deal of resources and uh, careful reporting time. Uh, Predicting the future can be done with very little equipment and just in a studio. Um, And I think that's where the tension is for cable news is how much can you how much attention can you get for how little money and then we come to this weekend there was a lot of anticipation coming into the arrival of Mueller's report so much so that it it created the feeling of a season finale in and in Trump's world we're all living in a bad reality tv show but in fact this isn't the season finale this is a week's end, and we're now in another week, and there's a lot more story here. Yes, there's a lot. There's a ton more story here. I mean, as the Times has pointed out, there's the, you know, handing it over to New York prosecutors um, and and learning what will happen in Congress next. And, like, we still haven't seen the report, and it seems like some version of the report will eventually be made public. Um and it and i think that we just have to remember that in these moments of huge national import trump's goal in every single one of those moments is to make the press seem really uh to make the press seem like the one who's at fault and and in this case he totally succeeded and and a lot of journalists bought into that i think that Trump's entire presidency is about discounting the information that we receive and making us suspicious and making us feel like, you know, we individually can weigh facts against other facts. And so I think that when when these huge moments like the Mueller report come that we've been waiting for for so long, we should expect that there's going to be a backlash against the media. That's something that we should all be prepared for and be sort of confident in our reporting before those moments come so that we're not examining ourselves at the same moment that the president is trying to put a lot of scrutiny on us. And what do you make of the the fact that on the one hand, the, the lawyers uh, couldn't make the case against Trump, and on the other hand, the journalists have been actively building a sort of case for doubt or a case for um, there being at least something problematic about the proposed Trump Tower Mm -hmm. in Moscow. Um, How do we judge these things differently? I think in in this case, it's, it's instructive to look back at Me Too and to see how the reason that Me Too reporting was so great was because it was filling this gap in something that the legal system couldn't address but was so clearly wrong. Like, Me Too was was journalism sort of surfacing this immense societal problem 
and pointing fingers and, you know, and doing immense amounts of like amazing reporting that brought to light and and brought to some amount of justice a lot of past incidents. In this case, I, I sort of think of it similarly. I think journalists are sort of like, oh, like, you know, if there's no legal case against 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 Trump and obstruction or whatever, like, why were the journalists like trying to make a legal case? And I think journalism is doing something different, right? Like journalism is filling a gap in things that may or may not be held legally accountable, but that, you know, we collectively as Americans know to be wrong. Justice in the courts is not the same as justice in journalism. Right. Justice in the courts is not the same as justice in journalism and is not the same as the court of public opinion. Sometimes the the court of public opinion can be incredibly unjust, but there are times in which, you know, we as a society decide something that cannot be decided by the courts. Uh, That seems indisputable to me. (laughs) So to wrap up, I think we can conclude that... uh, the the press was not part of a, a massive conspiracy against the Trump presidency. They were just doing their jobs. Yep. And also, I would add that the press shouldn't be so easily cowed into a state of chaotic self-loathing. We should be confident in what we do. Though it is our nature to devolve into a state of chaotic self-loathing. <laughs> that's why we're in the journalism business. True. Well, thank you, Nausicaa, for that devolution into chaotic self-loathing. This has been the kicker. (laughs) Uh, You're welcome, and there's more where that came from. Thanks for having me. I'm Betsy Morace. See you next week. 